Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorization number TP slash 01005. Yes, it is. Plenty to get through this morning. Got topics coming out of my ears. Looking forward to getting stuck into it and taking your feedback on one three hundred seven three six seven three six. I'm looking forward to speaking to Justin Westoff, retiring champion from Port Adelaide, as well. We will do that after eight, uh, ten o'clock, I should say. Uh, it was an early start this morning, but uh, we'll get through a lot of topics this morning and get your feedback. On all of it, as we always do, particularly in the first hour where we just open it up and let you guys go for it. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Plenty happening as we gear up for the last spots in the finals. Four teams trying to qualify in that last sixth, seventh and eighth position, I should say. But let's get stuck into the show as we always do with this. So everyone got a little bit upset uh, this week because myself and Caroline Wilson didn't look like the look of the Carlton players um, carrying off their former teammate Bryce Gibbs on Sunday. Predictably, I woke up to a Twitter storm on Tuesday after discussion had aired on Classified late on Monday night. And when you see your name trending in the trending section of Twitter, it does shock you as you quickly scan the memory bank for anything you've said or done that has got people talking. Most people thought it was a lovely touch from the Carlton players. The game's greatest ever player, Lee Matthews, described the criticism around the send-off as petty. My Sunday footy show colleague Nathan Brown tweeted, Of course Kane didn't like it. It involves Carlton. Former age journalist Rowan Connolly published three columns on his little footy site, Footyology, on the back of the debate. Not one or two, but three. He didn't hold back in his assessment of the media landscape. Former Olympian and two-game AFLW player Georgie Parker also let fly, but we'll get into that in mean tweets shortly. I'll explain my position again, and it has nothing to do with clickbait, as some people were so quick to accuse me of. But first, let's hear from Carlton coach David Teague when he was asked post-game what he thought of his players cheering off Gibbs. Yeah, it was weird. I get it. Uh, There's a little part of me that thought, oh, I'm not sure about this, to be honest. But um, he obviously played more games with those two than uh, than anyone on Adelaide's list. Um, yeah, look, it's, it's, it's a hard moment um, in terms of uh, you've just lost a game of footy, but you want to respect a... a Someone that's been a great player of, of the game and, and for our club as well. I'll just next time I'd like to do it after a win. Yeah, of course you would. Next time you'd like to do it after a win. So David Teague didn't even like it. Now let's have a listen to Brody Smith, who spoke on the back of his team catching up with Eddie Betts pre-game and the message from his coach, Matthew Nix. We've probably got a bit too friendly 
uh, before the game in the first warm up, and um, Nixie actually mentioned it in our meeting that it was time to pull that put all that aside and focus on getting the job done because well, everyone knows how much or well, everyone in the world loves Eddie, but how much we love him. And so it was great to see him again and um, have a good chat to him. And um, there's definitely plenty of bands around the field as well, which is good. It's always good fun with Ed. I know everyone seems to be a bit more friendly towards each other, which which I don't mind. It's good to have a bit of banter out there as well and, and have a chuckle during games. Um, I think there's still time for it. But um, obviously when the ball's there to be won, the ball's there to be won. Well, how about that? Teague didn't like his players cheering off Gibbs and Nick's hated his players chatting to Betts pre-game. Imagine the outrage had I been critical of that. The cheering off to me symbolises a lack of ruthlessness at Carlton, something I've been critical of all year. On the back of conceding the first five goals and losing against the bottom team, which ended the season without finals for the umpteenth year, Carlton's players chose to mingle, chat, laugh, swap Guernseys and chair off the opposition. All whilst the massive supporter base is bleeding from the couch in lockdown back in Melbourne at the thought of another lost season. Not one Carlton player lifts when the game is on the line. No wonder the captain, Patrick Cripps, wasn't voted in the top three most important players by his teammates this year. Then post-match, Teague says that his side's not that far away. How does that wash after giving up the first 12 goals against the 18th and 15th ranked sides in the space of two weeks. I just can't imagine Matthew Scarlett during the Geelong dynasty or Jordan Lewis at Hawthorne cheering off a former teammate after the team's season ended minus finals again. Alistair Clarkson just wouldn't let them get away with it. The cheering off of Gibbs was a symbol for exactly where Carlton are at. They are nowhere near a ruthless football club. So spare me your outrage, the Twitter mentions, the three articles that have been written about the debate, and have it with me right here, one 736 736 because I reckon deep down, Carlton people know I'm right. 0433981116, or even better, one 736 736 Yeah, oh boy, it was rough out there on the weekend. Twitter can be a pretty dangerous place because um, my Twitter mentions lit up again and Carlton have failed to qualify for the finals. They lack ruthlessness. Their coach says they're not far away and they're laughing, smiling, joking and cheering off a teammate after conceding five goals against the 18th ranked side without they even hardly touch the footy. Would love your thoughts on that. And would love for all of those, all of you that were so outraged by my criticism of the cheering off of Gibbs to ring up and debate it with me right here, right now. Baz is in Coburg. You kick us off this morning. Welcome to you, buddy. Good morning, Kano. What do you right, got mate. for me? Um, mate, I love your work, mate. I love the way you say it, the way you see it. And, um, mate, I'm a Carlton supporter and you're, you're 100% right, mate. We're way off even playing, you know, being close to finals. What did you think, Everyone's Baz, back. when you when you saw the the, the laughing, the, the mingling, the swapping of Guernseys, and then the cheering off of Gibbs? What did you think? Did you have an issue with it? Mate, I, I just thought they're, they're not, they weren't switched on. You could see it. Like, the coach has always said, you ought to be switched on, ready to go. And the way they were playing, the way you could just see, they didn't want to be there. And to carry Gibbs off, I understand he played for Carlton and he did what he did, but... Gibbs wanted to leave Carlton. Now, at the end of the day, you know, you don't go to war against 
another country, lose the war, and then, you know, carry their soldiers around. You know what I mean? Yeah, that was sort of my point as well. He did want to leave, and as good as he's been for them, I just can't imagine seeing that ruthless Geelong outfit, Hawthorne's the same, um, and other really ruthless, successful teams doing similar. And perhaps that is where Carlton are at, and perhaps that's why they are missing the finals again after showing some glimpses of promise this year. Rob's in Gladstone Park. G'day to you, Rob. G'day, mate. How are you? Good. I uh, I totally agree with you, like the last caller. I mean, I'm I'm 45 years old. The last time I saw a flag, I was 20, you know, 1995. And, mate, Gibbs left. Like, what are they cheering him off for? Paul Matthew Cruiser was sitting in the stands, Mm. right? He's a better servant of the club. He stuck with the club. Didn't want to leave. Now, I understand why Gibbs left. He wanted to leave family reasons. Fair enough. And we got good compensation for him, but... Let, let Adelaide people cheer him off. They could have stood there and clapped their hands and saw him off the field, but they didn't need to go cheer him off. Made me sick, especially we didn't make finals again. Like, come agree on. Agree with you, Rob. Like, yep, couldn't couldn't agree more with you, but there's clearly a lot of people out there, uh, judging by the reaction to it, um, that disagree. If you are one of those, happy to debate that with you this morning. In fact, I welcome it, as we always do. Happy to debate any sporting topic. And what else has got you up and about this week in the world of sport? Let us know. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Pete's in Essendon. G'day to you, Pete. Uh, good, yeah, good morning, Kane. Kane, yeah, not a good look. I'm with you, Kane. Um, when it came on and I was at the tally, I thought, oh, after, after they got beaten by that march in, look, Kane, at best, they could have used that Adelaide play, at least one each, at mm. best. Mm. Good on you, mate. Uh, I agree. And um, yeah, mostly you would have the opposition standing there watching. But And it wasn't, it wasn't just the action. I think, as I've explained, it is a symbol of um, Carlton's attitude. But there are some other people that disagree, including Damien, who is on the road. Damo, your take on it. G'day, Kane. How are you? Good. Good. Um, I disagree. I, I have nothing. I have no issue with it. I mean, he played for both clubs, um, and these two people cheering him off, they're obviously his best mate. So I've got no issue with it, Kane. No issue all right. at all. Are you a Carlton fan? Not a Carlton fan, but I'm a Hawthorne fan, but follow football in general. But no do issue think, at all. I mean, As a Hawthorne fan, do you think Alistair Clarkson would have done something similar if he'd just lost to the 15th and 18th ranked sides? and he'd missed the finals for, what is it, the seventh year in a row, do you think he would have stomached his players cheering off the opposition? Definitely, Kane. Really? Okay. Disagree with you, but thanks for your thoughts, mate. Appreciate it. Always happy to hear the count of you, as we always do. Paige is in Doncaster. G'day to you, Paige. Good morning. What's your thoughts? I think it's a positive thing. You've actually got to break it down a little bit and bring it back to a bit of normality. So we've got kids watching football and so two teams have played a game of footy, play hard, not so hard depending on how you look at it, but at the end of the day, they're all rallying around each other and cheering off teammates that, hey, they could have even played junior football together. So you're actually showing that it's just more than a hard game of football. You're showing camaraderie against people in general. 
Thank you, Paige, for your view on it. And I think your view is shared by a lot of people out there and, and some loved it. Some thought it was a great look for the game and some, you know, kids watching at home was a, was a nice symbol of that. I'm coming from more of a harder position uh, in, the, in the context of where the football club is at in the, the amount of winning positions the club has been in this year and the amount of times they've let that slip, conceded the 30-point swing 17 times under David Teague, lose to Sydney, lose to Adelaide, and then happy to share a joke and a laugh and cheer off a teammate after missing the finals again when, if I was a Carlton supporter, I would have been shattered. But I, I 100% appreciate your view. Robbie in Williams Landing, your thoughts? I'll get OK. Um, look, I was probably OK with it. I was seeing seem strange at the time. But listening to you, I couldn't understand that it might seem um, symbolic of Carlton's issues. I don't know if it is or not, but potentially it is. The issue that I've got with, with the Blues, and I'm a Carlton member, is, is that um, having a look, there was a reporting in the Herald Sun about teams who had blooded new talent. So the amount of games they had got into new players. Um, it blew my mind that Carlton had only, I think, got seven games into Josh Honey, uh, Philip, and I'm trying to think of one other player that we've down? got in. We've got all this young talent coming through, and we're just not playing them. Now, I understand you can't take all of your senior players out, but my issue is, is that we've got all this young talent. We've got an ageing list who we're going to have to make some hard calls on. And we've got a lot of inexperienced kids that it might have to be forced to play. Good on you, Robbie. Appreciate your thoughts on the Carlton Footy Club. Troy's in Henley Beach. Your thoughts on Gibbs, Troy? I couldn't agree more. And I just thought, when that, Carlton, that game was up for grabs. They were coming. I mean, Adelaide sealed that game late in the game. And then basically slowly pass that ball to Bryce Gibbs. And I, I go with your point, and I was thinking, geez, if Bryce Gibbs kicks this, are the Carlton players going to get around him as well? Like, <laughs> the well game have. was up for grabs, mate. They, I reckon they would have. I reckon they would have got around him and, like, jumped on him if Bryce Gibbs kicked that goal. And that game was up for grabs for Carlton. And I agree with your point. You don't need to be nice in competitive sport. You don't need mm. to be nice. You need to be fair. They're too nice. Piss off. Mm. Good on you, Troy. Appreciate your passion. Muhammad is in Altona. Your thoughts, Muhammad? Uh, Muhammad has dropped out. So what we will do, we'll go to Gaz in Lara, who disagrees. Gaz, why do you disagree? Okay, Nomata, look, I like what you give us every Friday. I love it. But there's one very, very important point you forgot in this argument, okay? What the bloody it? game is over. I when know it's over. On, yeah. When the I, game I... is on, show me brutality, show me skills, show me pressure, gut running, heartfelt desire to win the ball. If you think that what someone does after the match has anything to do with the sport, you are wrong, Kane. And this reminds me of what story you told me about Mark Williams, where he told you not to shake the player's yep. hands after a match, which is a disgrace. He didn't necessarily say don't shake players' hands after a match, but he says don't go out of your way to shake a player's hand and stay out there on the ground and mingle and chat to the opposition after a disappointing loss. Don't speak on the plane. Don't be all up and about after a loss. Show that it cares because my point is is it, it symbolises that though, Gaz, because you say it doesn't matter what happens after the game. But I could show you 10 examples of Carlton players who aren't ruthless in that moment. And perhaps that is the culture at the footy club, that they're happy after a loss. They're happy for their season to finish. You know, they've got Carlton fans who will ring us up 
haven't seen a, a grand final in 20 years, 25 years, and they're saying, well, it does mean, it seems to mean more to them than it does to the players. So it's not the action in itself, it's, the, it's what it symbolises to me. And right now, from what I've seen, they're not a ruthless footy club. But Gaz, you made a good point. You are articulate, and that's what this show is all about. Grant's in Sydney. Your thoughts, mate? Oh, look, Kane. Look, mate, there's no room for sentiment. You don't give games, and I, I, I have to agree with you. You know, Carlton, they want to go to the next level. They've got to find that ruthless edge. And that ruthless edge comes from off the field, and they learn that off the field to take it onto the field. At the moment, they don't have it. They don't oh, have yeah. it. Grant's in Sydney. John's in Epping. Hello to you, John. You want to shift gears and speak about the North Melbourne Footy Club? Yes, sir. Good morning, Kane. How are you? Good, thanks. I was I was listening to you last Monday night to sort of classify. You will comment about Ross Lyon would be a big helper to reassure if we would have joined the assistant coach. And yep. I would have liked that. But the problem is, to get in, they're going to pay my list about $400,000 a year. Mm. And then the problem, they have to get rid of one of the assistant coaches to accommodate him. And we would have lost it already in the first year, probably eight dollars $900,000 a year. You reckon mm. Nordic could afford that? No, and I, I understand the challenges of the new soft cap and fitting all the coaches in. And my point was that I just think, Reshaw needs some help and he needs someone who's been there and done that and coached at the highest level. So so it might even be like a Michael Voss or a Brenton Sanderson, Don Pike's name I've heard been mentioned. Someone who can help guide Reese through what is such a challenging period when you are first in control of an AFL side and he, he appears to be struggling with that. And I looked at the names in his coaching panel and, and nothing strikes me as someone that could help him with that. So it was just a name, one of five that I floated John, we're up and running on the captain's run. Plenty of calls and texts coming through. We'll address all of that epic edition of Mean Tweets. I don't think we've done Mean Tweets for eight weeks, but uh, we thought it was time. Um, And we'll get to Peter, Jack, Sheldon, Terry, and Ian from Footscray on the other side of this. Big edition of Mean Tweets coming up after the 9.30 news, but taking your calls right now and right through until 12 o'clock before Dwayne's World is up and he's been doing a fine job, of course. Jack has been patient. You want to speak about Carlton also? Jack, welcome to the captain's run. Hey, mate. How are you going? Good, thank you. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm a dog supporter, so I don't doesn't really bother me yep. one way or the other, but um, I liked it for the most part. But I kind of wonder if the more ruthless teams of the AFL would do things like that. The the Richmonds, um, Hawthorne, Geelong yep. in their prime, uh, those kinds of teams. I'm not so sure. Yeah, I'm. I'm think I'm pretty sure. I think I'm pretty sure that they wouldn't um, chair off a player who had left the club a couple of years earlier to chase a premiership and to come home for for family reasons and all of that. But on the back of you know losing to two bottom four sides to make sure he didn't play finals, I'm not sure I would have seen them laughing and joking, swapping Guernseys and then chairing off a former teammate. And for all those that were outraged by it, your coach didn't like it. So I think he'd be a pretty good judge as well. Sheldon is in Doncaster. You want to speak about North Melbourne's shining light. Who is it? No, I wanted to ask you, Kane, actually, because like I was watching the game last night with a supporter, and she said the only shining light was uh, Josh Walker. And he's had a good year. I'd probably get it. But just your take on North Lake, Reece Shaw's game style, or obviously Zerha. I mean, going into the next season, what do you take out of North? What do you reckon they've got to look forward to, I guess? Yeah, it's hard, it's hard, isn't it? I, I Look, I like Jai Simkin. I like Davies Uniac. I think they've got a big future. I think McDonald has had an extraordinary year. 
Um, and I think he should be almost in line for um, all Australian honours. Luke McDonald, his, his season has been, you know, it has gone under the radar. How influential he's been. So uh, that, uh, Todd Goldstein, perhaps the second spot as the all Australian ruckman. Apart from that, it's tough. And, you know, what they do with players like Pittard and Pollock and Ben Brown will be fascinating to see. And those storylines and those um, decisions about their list will start to filter out as they go about their exit interviews probably as early as today. But in terms of much, many positives come out of it, not many, unfortunately. Sheldon, Terry's in Kilmore. G'day to you, Tez. You want to speak about Bryce Gibbs? How are you, Kane? Good. Um, yeah, mate, look, I'm either way on it. Uh, maybe one from each team would have been nicer to carry him off. But just getting on to the point about camaraderie in, in games and all that, um, People out there must know the story of the First World War where the soldiers actually stopped killing each other on uh, Christmas Eve and mingled and uh, the next celebrated Christmas together and uh, and then the next day started killing each other again. Mm. So, uh, you know, I actually don't mind seeing a bit of the, um, uh, you know, a bit of banter and all that, but as long as it's after the game, during the game, crash and bash, but after the game, enjoy yourself. The other quick thing came... St Kilda lose tonight, how much percentage do the other teams, like, we're 10, yeah. uh, you know, we're you're 11%. On, you're, yeah, yeah, so you're on 111.4. Um, so lose tonight, you're equal on wins with the Giants, but they have to make up 11%. And then Melbourne are on 106.2. They take on Essendon, of course, so they've got to make up a little bit. It, it all depends clearly on, on the result and the margin in terms of if St Kilda lose, how much percentage they lose, and then if Melbourne win, how much they can make up, um, if that makes sense. I know it's a little bit complicated, but in essence, there's four spots for four teams for two spots, and it's good that St Kilda are playing the Giants for those other teams who will know the exact picture of what they have to achieve to get that last spot in the finals. Ian, can you make your point in 40 seconds before the news? Yeah, I can. You're from good a man. bygone era. Kane, you, uh, you're out of touch with modern football and that reflects in most of your views. Is that quick enough? Well, in what way? Give us an example. Well, everything you, you say and do is about now, when you say When you say everything, give me an example. Well, no, you can't cheer off people. That means you're not ruthless. So is David, Teague, is David Teague in a bygone era? Is Matthew Nix in a bygone yes, era? Because he didn't like... Yeah, OK, righto. Well, I appreciate your point. Time for the news. Good on you, you, you Gibbsy. You're absolute professional. And uh, she's right. As soon as those coronavirus case numbers come through on Twitter, we'll give them to you. But they're running about an hour late. Not sure if that's a, a good sign or a bad sign. Perhaps we look into these things too much. Varney's in Croydon South. Uh, you want to shift gears and just talk about the skill of football, mate? What's your thoughts? Well, my thoughts are, Kane, that uh, modern-day footballers are lauded for their courage, their speed, their fitness. And rightly so, they're great. But mate, they've got a battery of of, of uh, coaches, got midfield coaches, defence coaches, forward coaches. You've got the main coach, you've got assistant coaches, you've got sports psychologists. And you know what? They can't kick goals, mate. Hmm. They cannot kick. That is one part of the game where it, it's gone backwards. Last night. Fair dickum, not the right in that match. They had about three or four shots straight in front, 25 metres out, and they can't kick it. So that's the end of the game, mate. The clue yeah. is, 
you've got to stick the ball through the big sticks to win the game. <laughs> we we get a bit complicated, don't we, at times and stats and measurements of what makes a team successful, but possibly the grand finalist and the premier this year will be decided by who kicks the straightest. Um, and it's a it's a very good point that you make and one that's not lost with me. Appreciate it. one three hundred seven three six. 736, those lines are available, as always, if you want to jump on and have you say about any sporting topic. Just a reasonably big story breaking at the moment in the Herald Sun. Gilbert Gardner is reporting that the Melbourne Storm have been embroiled in a possible COVID breach at its Sunshine Coast hub. I'm just reading this out because it's just come through now. Storm has briefed the NRL Integrity Unit and the Queensland Government about the complicated situation which has forced a player into self-isolation. The player is set to have invited a person to the hub overnight. And from midnight, Storm players, coaches and staff inside the bubble were to be considered normal citizens, free of any restrictions, having spent the past 14 days in Queensland. The investigation must establish when the guest arrived inside the hub. So we'll follow that one closely throughout the morning. But we haven't done this for a long time. So let's do it now. Yeah, mean tweets, it's been some time, but gee, I received some mean tweets this week. Not not that I look too much. I don't necessarily take too much um, notice of the notifications on Twitter, but there was a few that I did. Um, there's a parody account from Bruce McAvaney who, who went to Twitter on the back of my comments about two players cheering off Bryce Gibbs, and this Bruce McAvaney parody account said, Kane's just upset that he doesn't have two mates. That was the first one. Um, Georgie Parker was a former field hockey player and a three-game AFLW player. She now um, reads odds for sports bet. She tweeted, there isn't a person I'd rather have a beer with less than Kane Corns. Thank you to you, Georgie, doing some great work. Do do enjoy your work. Michael Laird said, call me old-fashioned, but it's anchor man and not anchor lady. And that's a scientific fact. And as for Kane, Port carried him off for 300 games. Yeah, they did. My own teammates um, carried me off. Captain Crisp, how these two Muppets, uh, referring to myself and Caroline Wilson, still have a job baffles me. I get it's their job to intentionally share their mind-numbing views on stuff in order to get clicks, but seriously, come on. Trent Hornman. Yep, at Trent H-O-R-N-E, man, is there anything about football that you or Caroline Wilson actually enjoy? The guys are good mates. Give me a spell. Hashtag tosser. Toby Newlands, seems like the type of bloke that would call it a palmer and would ask for the chips underneath. Probably stands too close to the baggage claim as well. Uh, good on you, Toby. No, it's a, it's a, it's a palmy in my mind. I haven't had one for a while, so you're right on that. Ian said he's a flog like his old man, always trying to be controversial, but ends up like the Ebenezer Scrooge, whatever that means. That was mean tweets, and it did get me to a point. So Georgie Parker said there isn't a person I'd rather have a beer less than Kane Corns. I wouldn't want to have a beer with me either, for what it's worth. Shocking value on the beer. Terrible drinker. But I will reveal my top five people who I would like to sit down and have a beer with very, very shortly. That was mean tweets. It's been a while. Thought we needed to get that off our chest. Gary's in Preston. Gaz, you watched the footy last night. You didn't like what you saw. 
half of it. Sorry, sugar, <laughs> I only washed half. <laughs> I, was he, I, saw it, I was with you. Yeah, I, I saw blokes pulling up. I understand why Reshaw keeps dropping Pollack. You know, he's going to the ball one-handed. He's waiting for it outside. And for blokes to handball to someone who's on top of it, and six times they fiddle around with the ball, and eventually the Eagles just kicked it forward. But North Melbourne got a long way to go. Sorry, Boom, but they're, they're no good, mate. They're, they're just mm. gone, mate. And don't worry about all those folks that ever go, you, Sugar. They just wish they were you. So, um, <laughs> Good on you, guys. Appreciate it, mate. I was with you last night. I watched... Oh, what's the first half? If it wasn't for Liam Ryan, there wasn't much to enjoy about that game of footy. Um, but I switched off and I watched Binge. Binge is good, by the way. If you're looking for something to watch, I watched Showbiz Kids on Binge. Very interesting, um, detailing the life of young stars in Hollywood. Concerning as well. Bart's in Donvale. Back to Bryce Gibbs. Bart, did you like it or did you not? I'll just I'll just put it out there. I'm a Richmond supporter. So, um, look... I would have preferred if there was one player from each club, I think looks better, but being a Richmond supporter and over the years, the way Richmond go about their footy now, um, it's all about the mental health. Like the, uh, the young lady that comes on the on lately show, Emma, the mindfulness coach, mm. the players now are geared to look after their mental health and it's, to them, they get taught it's a game. After the game, you let everything go and you start again. So... I think I'm like I'm 54, and I've, I've, I'm starting to come around to what all this mental health stuff's all about. And you sort of think, well, the, those days of when you're out on the field, you, you do everything you can to win a game. But once the game's over, the game's over, and you get on with life. Good on you, Bart. Appreciate your perspective on it. Uh, my old mate Steve is in Lilydale. How are things in Lilydale at the moment, Steve? Pretty rough, I'm assuming. No, okay. Sun's shining, mate. Uh, happy days over here in Melbourne. Just oh. a little bit stupid, Mark. All the time. I, um, <laughs> I don't know about people having a go about you. I don't want people having a go at you. But don't have a go at the great Graham Studley Corns. I mean, what the hell's going on with that? <laughs> I know. That, that's rough, isn't it? Leave, leave Graham yeah. out of this. <laughs> leave Graham alone. Um, now, Kate, I just wanted to talk to you about... Um, now, you've, uh, at the start of the year when Adelaide had a COVID breach, you, you brought out the... Uh, Highly mourned in Adelaide's list of indiscretions. Um, and forget about the fact that when Port Adelaide had, or Port Power had their indiscretions, you, oh, COVID breaches, you didn't say anything. But no, on those list of indiscretions, you, you, you wrote about Adelaide trading McGovern, uh, Betts, Jenkins, Greenwood, Keith, all of those things. Yep. You put um, Adelaide got rid of those, and that was on the list of indiscretions. Now, there's often discussion about what is the hardest position on the field. Well, the easiest position on the field is anyone playing against Mitch McGovern. Eddie Betts has kicked 10 goals or 11 goals for this year. Source can't even get a game for GWS, mm-hmm. and they haven't got a Ruckman. Uh, are you going to now admit that you were wrong and that Adelaide were completely correct? Get rid of all of those players, so now we've got Stengel, McAdam, Himmelberg, Schoenberg, all these superstars. Are you going to now admit that you were wrong, Kane, to say that Adelaide um, were wrong to get rid of those players? Well, it, the, the, the full player retention issue is more what I was specifically talking about, Steve. So you, you can't mention Jenkins, Gibbs, uh, sorry, uh, Betts and McGovern without factoring in Dangerfield and Charlie Cameron and Gunston. So it's a, it's the full package. But in terms of were they right to move on Jenkins, Jacobs, Betts, yes, 
the Crows were, albeit it's cost them a bit of money because they are still paying for their contracts, as they will hand Bryce Gibbs a $600,000 check this year and get absolutely nothing out of it next year. So there's a fuller picture that you're uh, leaving a few facts off there, Steve, but always appreciate your call, mate. Brett's in Fulham Gardens. Bryce Gibbs, what was your take on it, Brett? Yeah, g'day, uh, Kane. Um, as a Crow supporter, I didn't have a problem with it. We've won the game and ended their season. Happy days. But if I was a Carlton supporter or the roles had been reversed, I'd be absolutely filthy. You know, mm. this is a guy that's left your club. He's just played a big part in ending your season and you're cheering him off the oval. I mean, that's just... I can't... Yeah, I would be absolutely filthy if I was a Carlton supporter. I don't mind the guard of honour as a sign of respect. I've been on the right side of that in the milestone game. It's a nice touch. Um, shows respect, but two Carlton players cheering him off. Um, yeah, unbelievable. So it's a rare occasion I have to agree with you, Kane. I'm with you, Brett. Good on you, mate. And for all the outrage, I think we've probably taken 20 calls on it this morning and we're going at about 15 didn't like it, five liked it. So perhaps Twitter is not an accurate reflection of the way people are feeling. Let's quickly sneak in. James, you want to speak about North Melbourne, whose season came to a close last night, James? G'day, Cornsy. Yeah, love your show, mate. Um, two questions. Um, what would they do with Jared Pollack? And who would you delist for next year? Um, that side, mate, there's just no passion. There's no guts anymore. I've been a member for a few years, and it's just lacking, mate. What would you do? Well, who who do you have to keep, James? Is what is what I that's where I would start. So so who do you have to keep? And there's probably five or six that you just you've got to go with um, because they are the future. When you're talking about Simkin and Taron Thomas and uh, LDU and all and those, but who are, who are the more senior guys that you just want to keep and you want to go to war with? Well, I think you've got to keep Pollack, mate, because they're paying you have to, money. I think. Yeah. I think you've got to keep him. Um, Luke Davies Jr., he's a great young talent. Um, I like him. Like Zeeble, I think his time's up, unfortunately. Um, mm. I know he's had a few injuries this year, but, geez, mate, after watching him last night, I just think his time's up. The game's past him. So, yeah, what do you think? Many. What are your thoughts yeah, on Well, yeah, there's not many that's unfortunately when you when you do they had the opportunity with Higgins and Goldstein and, and perhaps Zebel and Cunnington to move them on at the right time, but they didn't. So you're probably unfortunately stuck with those. You just try, try and maximise them developing those youngsters for the next couple of years. But fascinating times at North North fans, you can have you say who do you have to keep at North Melbourne. And who should be on the trade block? One three hundred seven three six seven three six. We'll get to James and Tom on the other side of this, so just stick around and be patient. Plenty more coming up on the Captain's Run. James, you've been waiting patiently in Preston. James, you want to speak about the topic of the morning? Carlton uh, cheering off Bryce Gibbs. Yeah, good morning, Kate. Uh, yeah, just on it. I mean, Adelaide showed uh, Bryce Gibbs no love in the last twelve months. Uh, Carlton did, and if Teague's dirty on it, mate, he's barking up the wrong path, but no, I thought it was a good uh, good gesture by Carlton and showed that they loved the bloke, Adelaide hunted him down, didn't give him games, what would you expect? Mm, I, I thought it was unusual, is, is what my first reaction was, and then I thought the scenes after the game were unusual, um, and maybe I'm being a little bit harsh as I have been on Carlton for a while, but... 
I, I do get intrigued by Carlton fans that say I'm harsh on them. I'm just not sure that there's been that much to be positive about, unfortunately, when the record is there for all of us to see, um, would be would be my thoughts on it. Tom's in Williamstown. Uh, Carlton, Tom? Carlton, Kane. I'll just give you a couple of facts, mate. Carlton are one of three teams that have not played in a premiership in the 2000s. Essendon, for all the slack they cop, have played in two. Carlton have had 15 priority picks and six wooden spoons. Essendon's had one wooden spoon and one priority pick. Carlton haven't made the finals for eight years. In that time, Essendon's made four. I mean, we haven't won a final, but at least we've won premierships in the 2000s. They're an absolute basket case, mate. They carry players that abandon them off the field. You're 100% right, mate. Good on you, Tom. Appreciate your passion. Any response there from the Carlton fans towards Essendon? That always fires the people up. Get involved. 0433-98-1116. And Janine is one of our regulars, wants to speak about North Melbourne. Janine, how do you see the Kangaroos? Oh, good morning, Swansea. Yeah, look, as a Richmond member and supporter, I would happily have Cameron Zerha at Punt Road mm. in a heartbeat. So North absolutely have to keep him. He's really hard at it. He's got a, you know, he's, he's, he's just, I love him. I love him as a player. He's just fantastic to watch. And yet North have really got to keep him. One and of those. Swansea, just, yep. um, what would be a trade that would absolutely totally shock you if it happened? It's a good I question. I, yeah, it's a really good because there's there's often ones that just bob up that you just you just weren't expecting um, at the last minute. So, what would really shock me? The, the player I'm fascinated by um, this trade period is Jaden Stevenson from from Collingwood. So I believe he's got one more year on his deal left at Collingwood. Out of favour, clearly. Some reports I've read, and you just go by what you read, saying that he is gettable. And if I was a club like Adelaide, who are desperate for a small forward um, at the age that he is, that is one that I'd, I'm really looking forward to watching to see if there's any legs because there'd be so many clubs coming after Jaden Stevenson. Janine, thank you for your thoughts. Uh, unofficial reports on coronavirus' numbers is pretty reputable Twitter site, though. Uh, COVID-19 Australia reporting that 45 cases of coronavirus in the last 24 hours in Victoria. But Meredith Gibbs will have the latest in that situation as she follows along for the 10 o'clock news. No doubt about it. one 736 736 Justin Westhoff is going to join us after 10 o'clock. Best swingman ever to play AFL. He'd be in the top three. Send them through, get involved, join in the Twitter discussion and the conversation on 0433 98 11 16. Who is the best swing man to ever play the game? Because I'm not sure there's been a player that has played pretty much every position. So I look at Westhoff, starts as a forward, plays through the midfield, spends a lot of time on the wing, goes and plays as a key position um, defender later on in his career, definitely plays in the ruck as a second ruckman, and has probably played on ball as well. So every position he has played, is he the best swingman to ever play the game? We're going to chat to him after 10 o'clock. I want to ask him what his preferred position is because he never complained about where he was asked to play. But I'd like to know if he was playing himself, where would he play? He retired yesterday on the back of some big announcements. Cade Simpson, one of my absolute favourites. What a career he has been. It would be sad to see him off this weekend and some others set to follow as well in what will be a sad time for a number of AFL players. Get involved at 7 minutes to 10.
Busy morning as it always is and once again appreciate all of your calls and all of your contributions to the show, be it um, whatever you want to speak about, but the passion shines through and would love your thoughts as the morning goes on as always. A lot of people lining up right now. Let's go to Hobart and speak to Dale who is responding to my comments on Justin Westhoff as the best swingman in the comp. You've got a pretty solid nomination, Dale. Who is it? Hey, Tano. How you going, mate? Good, thanks. Good, yeah, look, I'm top three, um, but Matthew Pavlich is number one by far. Yeah. I know people say it all the time. Imagine, <clears throat> excuse me, imagine if he was in a Victorian team. Um, people would just absolutely love it, love him. Number two, Kuda Fidafidis, late <laughs> 90s. He was just a beast. And uh, number three, love him or hate him. He was a great player. And Adam Goods, um, an absolute yeah. superstar. Could play anywhere. All three of them blokes could play anywhere. Rover, Ruck, no matter what, they could do it. Um, Justin Westhoff is not in my top 20. But anyway, I love your work, Kane. No, I, I, you've you've put me back in my box, Dale, and um, and I think you are spot on with the three that you just mentioned, and I, I don't know how I neglected Pav. I guess it's probably because he played, what, 85% of his footy as a forward, whereas Westhoff, from each week, you just don't really know where he's going to line up. And in-game, so many moves for Pav. I know, you know, played back... Um, and one of best and fairest there, I think. One of his many best and fairest, but also forward and through the midfield. So that is a good nominate, nomination. Goods as well. And Kudafidis is yours. But we'll take your calls on that after 10 o'clock. Stick around, John, Brad, Paul and Daniels. Time now to get the latest with the coronavirus situ- situation in Victoria with Meredith Gibbs. Uh, been a busy first hour dominated by you having your say on whether you liked Carlton cheering off Bryce Gibbs. There's been a lot of discussion about the North Melbourne Footy Club. We've got through mean tweets. If you've missed any of that, it's on our Twitter platform. You can download the podcast and listen along very shortly. We're going to be joined by retiring 280-game star Justin Westhoff from the Port Adelaide Football Club, who is hoping there is still one or two games left in his body, but he's going to join us shortly. Brad's in Point Cook, who's been waiting Patiently, you want to have your say on the Blues, Brad? Yeah, Kang, good morning, mate. Love your show. It's even better when I've got COVID in Victoria. Mate, if there isn't, you don't have to go to work. It's great. Mate, <laughs> Thanks, mate. I'm a, I'm a Collingwood supporter, and I thought watching that thing with Carlton was absolutely brilliant. I opened up a stubby over it because it just shows how weak they are. <laughs> I didn't care about the game, but I laugh and afterwards, and as a Collingwood supporter, mate, you love to hate Carlton, and I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was brilliant. Brad loved it as a Collingwood supporter. So we've had Essendon and Collingwood supporters um, just having a crack at Carlton. It's time for you to respond, Blues fans. Paul's in Ringwood. Do you want to speak about Essendon, Paul? Yeah, good. Okay, look, I've got a couple of swing players for you first. Kenny Hunter. Oh, yes. And I reckon Alex Kivalenko was the only halfback flanker to ever kick 100 goals at full forward. Okay. Jezza, a nomination as a swing man. Who's the other one? Oh, Kenny Hunter. Kenny Hunter. Okay. Well, thank you yep. for that. You want to speak about Essendon as well? Yeah. Well, for every Essendon supporter out there, they have to remember that the uh, last premiership, Melbourne's two best players in the finals were both in hospital. So mm-hmm. I reckon everything that's befallen Essendon since then is just karma, and it's well-deserved. And there's the pushback. There's the pushback onto the Bombers fans. It's what we love. Daniel is on the line. He wants to chat about North Melbourne. Your thoughts, mate? Yeah, g'day, uh, Kane. Look, I, I do, but I've I got a couple of swingmen as well. Um, like Ross Glenn Denning, uh, mm-hmm. 
Daryl White from the Lions, yep. and even uh, I guess uh, Paul Salmon from Essendon. He, he he may not have played permanently down back, but he was down there a little bit. But full forward and ruck, so ruck. there's three. Yeah. But North Melbourne, Kane. Look, we've had a tough year, but look, I'm 59 and I've been around long enough to know that there, there's been tough years. But I think the North Melbourne supporters need to understand uh, that. Our under-22s are looking brilliant. Now, we've got Scott, LDU, Simpson, already proven players, Larky, McKay, proven player, uh, Walker, Taylor, Mahoney, Perez last night was brilliant, Zerha, he's, he's a champion. Murphy is like LDU. He can step around anyone and could be anything. We've got Bonaire and we've got Thomas and we've got Walker. So... Our list is around about 15 of our under-22. There's a lot of people coming forward. You know, it's our 23 to 27-year-old age group that we we need to work on. And sure, look, we're having some tough times. And, you know, it's not great to watch. No one loves it. But there is light at the end of the tunnel. Good on you, mate. The glass half full approach from Daniel North fans. Um, You can disagree or agree with that, but it's time now to get to this man who called time on his AFL career at the end of this season yesterday. Pepper and Dersmer at the source trying to win it away. Gray paddles it down to Wines. He guides it forward. It couldn't be dealt with. And West off with a lovely curler. That'll do neatly for Ports. 45 metre kick, it's on its way. It's working back perfectly from Justin Westhoff. Could have been caught for throwing the footy. No, said the umpire. Westhoff gets the crumb. Westhoff kicks the goal. Big lead. Got a hang time. Dicko to update us on that in a moment. Fissenden completes the job. Westhoff. Two hundred and eighty games, nearly three hundred goals in every position on the ground. Justin Westhoff joins us. Westy, firstly, a, a massive congratulations. Thanks, Kane. Thanks, Sammy. Yeah, it's been um, it's actually been nice just to reflect over the last couple of days on yeah, fourteen years of the club. It's it's gone very extremely quickly, as you probably know. But mm. um, yeah, it's uh, it's time to do it, and um, and away we go. I think. Did it, was, was there a moment, Westy, or was it just building up to the thought that, you know, this would be your last year? I know you spoke yesterday about spending more time with your, your, your yep. young family and your four kids. Was, was there one moment in particular or was more a build-up? Uh, I think it was just more of a build-up, probably over the course of, like, the last 12 months, really, um, on the back of last year and, um, you know, obviously not getting any younger. Um, it'll probably come to a head over the last two to three months where... I thought, you know, talking with Beck, my wife, and and just the position we are with, you know, with the kids and all that kind of thing, just come to a head, and um, yeah, we just thought it was the best time to do it this year, and um, not really entertain, you know, anything going forward. So um, yeah, I think it just come to a head organically over this year, and um, that's that's probably the thing that made the decision a hell of a lot easier, you know, yesterday that. It was just the right time to do it and, yeah, moving forward into hopefully bigger and better things. You didn't have any trouble telling teammates. Most players, it's a really difficult thing. Was Did it look that way or how hard was it getting up there when, when you do that and, and telling the boys that this is it? 
Yeah, obviously yesterday it was a little bit easier. Just most most of the boys are in you, you know, speaking to them in the lead up to that. I just wanted to mm. let a few people know that who have been on the journey with, you know, before everyone else. So um, it made it a bit easier. And, and just the fact that we've got a little bit of time still towards the end of the year, it's not, you know, such an immediate thing that, you know, I've still got, a, you know, another month and a half to enjoy. Hopefully that something, you know, pretty special may happen. So that kind of made it a little bit easier as well. And um, I don't know, it just it felt like an easy thing to do, to be honest. Um mm try to keep it cool and calm and probably made it a little bit easier that, you know, the kids probably weren't allowed in there with the other boys. So that's probably another thing that made it a little bit easier as well. The thing that, um, knowing you and playing with you, you, you never missed training sessions. And for nine years in a row, you played 20 plus games. Your durability was, was extraordinary, as good as I've ever seen. Is the body okay? Like, are you still training as, as hard and as often as you always did? Yeah, the body's the body's still fine. I'm, you know, you're always always better for the runners. The way I kind of go about it, yeah. um, you know, you always want to be out there with the boys, and it seems to be always harder when you're on the sidelines. You know, kicking tires and trying to get back on the ground. So, um, I've always, you know, tried to be out there, and um, you know, I've been extremely lucky with my body and injuries and things like that, and I've never had too many long term. Um, Issues, which is you know, kind of helps you in good stead later on. So um, similar to you, probably yourself, but um, yeah, I always always wanted to be out there, and you always feel good, you know, training and, and putting in the hard yards, knowing that you know, come game day, that you've kind of done everything you can to prepare. So that's kind of been my philosophy throughout my career. Going back to 2006, pick 71, uh, Travis Boak, of course, early in that draft, and Robbie Gray. The legacy that you three in particular are still at the club and still on the list right now and still driving Port Adelaide forward, does, does, do you reflect on your bond and the contribution that those the two have made alongside yourself for a long period of time? Yeah, that's probably been the, um, the toughest thing about it. Obviously, those guys are playing on next year and, you know, you kind of don't want to miss out when you've played so long together, you know, 14 years together, so um, yeah, I suppose it's a unique thing that us three have stuck together at the same club and still playing still playing together, you know so many years later, so um, that's probably been the toughest thing you know, speaking to to those guys before everything kind of went down and um, you know it's, it's just a period in time where you kind of made a decision, but it doesn't really stop your friendship and your relationship, you know, going on past this. So um, I'm looking forward to enjoying a few beers with those guys, you know, at the end of the year and and watching them, you know, succeed in the years to come. So, yeah. You, you spoke yesterday that you, if, it, if you have played your last game, you're comfortable. Uh, if not, and you are selected, and they, that might even start Monday. Uh, Tom Cleary is going to be out. There's some other changes, perhaps, at Port Adelaide for that game. You're ready to go. Yep. So... I feel I still feel like there's another chapter left, Westy. Have you been given any indication from Kenny that your name may be called upon for a big final at Adelaide Oval in a couple of weeks? Yeah, as yeah, I think that's the convers- pretty much spot on with the conversation I've been having with Ken, and just to stay prepared. And you know, I think if we make the grand final, I think we're going to have you know three, four games potentially to go. So mm. that's still a long time in footy and. Um, 
you know, anything can kind of happen. You know, if it's four games or one game, I just got to stay prepared. And um, and that's kind of the reasoning why we kind of did it this week, not at the end of the year, just to stay mentally fresh and, um, you know, prepared like I'm, I'm playing each week. So um, I think that that's important and, and hold off to say goodbyes and, and stay in the moment with, you know, what we're trying to achieve this year. I think that's a really important thing. Um, and obviously, I definitely want to be out there playing and, and contributing to the team and, and that success. So um, I'd be mad not to, to stay prepared, um, you know, in the next little period of time. Been chatting this morning about the positions that you've played, and it is every position on the ground, basically. But do you have a favourite? Yeah. Where would you like to play if you had your choice? Um, it's always good to be around the ball, um, yeah. Kane, as you're well aware. <laughs> uh, it's a little bit more fun when you're touching the ball a little bit more than um, relying on other people to kick it to you. So, um, yeah, I definitely had a, a period of time where I was around the ball a lot more, and that was, you know, really enjoyable. and um, it just feels like you're just playing that little bit better and contributing a little bit more. So, um, but we're saying that you know it's always a lot of fun kicking goals and and you know saving a few goals here and there. So, I'm <laughs> and not you sure did. I've got my, my top favourite, but <laughs> they, they made you go in the ruck as well. Like, and you've done centre bounces. Is, <laughs> is, is that awful, Westy? Like, did you did you dread that? Uh, it's probably not the funnest position to play, Shane. <laughs> Um, the shins are always pull up a little bit, um, a little bit bumpy by the end of the day. But um, yeah, it's, it's obviously a spot where you know it's it's a tough on the body, and um, I never enjoyed you know seeing the ruckman walk off after a goal, and I'm on the way in there. But yeah, um, it's a little bit of fun in the in the marks of footy. I don't know. There's a, a big five or six weeks coming up, and that's what you're focused on. But but what what's next? Uh, you, you know, you've you've done some work in in the food industry, of course. You're you're a great ambassador for the homeless here in South Australia. So there's definitely a charitable side to you. Do you know what the future looks like and what you you're focused on next? Um, I think I know over the next you know two or three months, I just really want to enjoy a bit of time with the boys and and with the family. Um, you know, take a step back and. Um, you know, relax a little bit, and you know, sit sit alone on those on those easy streets which we talk about. But um, <laughs> I think I'm really looking forward to that, and um, you know, probably waiting towards the end of the year to really make a decision on on what I'm going to be doing forward. But yeah, obviously, have a few business ideas and um, a little bit going on in that space, which is mm. you know, pretty exciting to, to delve into that a little bit heavier, but. Uh, I'm just looking forward to put the feet up for a couple of months after everything's said and done and um, enjoy a little bit of the um, things that I've missed over the last 14 years. You've got an extremely underrated footy mind, Wesley, one of the smartest players. Uh, clearly, you see the game extremely well. Would, would you look to be involved in footy? I know it's an uncertain time for a lot of coaching and coaches at the moment, but is that something that interests you or not? Yeah, obviously, I'd, you know, the footy environment is just such a rewarding one to be involved with um, and that's something that yeah obviously if an opportunity comes up in the in the next few years of of that kind of thing and not necessarily coaching but um, staying involved in in certain ways and yeah mm. I'd definitely open to that idea um, I don't really want to walk away of the game now with you know with all the knowledge and experience that I've had I think I've got a bit to give in that area so um, I never say never, but 
um, yeah, hopefully something pops up and, and we'll entertain those ideas, you know, as they come up. The calls will start to flood in shortly, but uh, have you ruled out playing Sample or, or footy at any level next year? Um, oh, to be honest, I haven't really thought about it. It's, um, I'm not sure, to be honest, Kane. Um, mm. This idea is just, yeah, still pretty fresh and um, and hopefully a little bit of AFL footy is still left for me, but obviously the body's feeling really good and um, depending probably how the mind goes next year, really, and um, and all that kind of stuff. So um, who knows? But just looking forward to the next little bit of, of time in my life. To be honest, Pisty. Uh, would wish nothing more than for you to go with a, a premiership, and I still think that is a very realistic possibility, mate. From everyone here, and from everyone that's sending tributes and text messages, it's gone nuts in relation to your career this morning. Congratulations from us. I look forward to catching up and enjoy the next five or six weeks, whichever way that plays out. Brilliant, mate. Thanks for having me. What a ripper. Uh, there's been 191 Port Adelaide players in the AFL era. None more popular inside the dressing room than Justin Westhoff. And when you walked out alongside him through that race prior to a game, you looked alongside you and he was standing next to you. You were pretty happy he was your teammate on that day because he would never, ever let you down. A selfless footballer and just an outstanding teammate. And what a career. 280 games. Best and fairest winner and nearing 300 goals. And hopefully another chapter still to be written. Uh, officially now with the coronavirus, the um, Victorian DHHS has announced 45 new coronavirus cases in the last 24 hours and five lives lost. The Metro Melbourne average, the 14-day rolling average, is now 42.7, but all of that with the news headlines with Meredith Gibbs at 10.30. We've got a lot of people lining up to have their say, so stick around to you, Sean, Pete, Mark, Anthony, we're going to speak some NBA shortly, and there's plenty more on the agenda this morning through until 12 o'clock with me right here on the Captain's Run. 24 minutes past 10 o'clock, if you're listening to us on SCNSA in Adelaide at 6 minutes to 10.45 new coronavirus cases in Victoria in the last 24 hours. That rolling average over 14 days, about 42 cases. We'll get back to your calls right now because a lot of you have been patient, which I appreciate, including Sean in Diamond Creek. You want to speak about Carlton? Sean, welcome. Yeah, Kane, how you going, mate? Good, yeah, thanks. Um, look, I'm glad, I'm glad you put the wind up, Carlton. I think what you've said is all the truth. Um, I just, I've got a few points to make about the game. Obviously, the carrying off, you know, totally wasn't happy with it. It made me sick after that first half. Um, a lot of the players and, and, and the coach, just, I mean, obviously they are hurting, but you know, the only one I see that hurts when he comes off the ground is Jacob Wiedering. I think he's got captain written all over him because mm. you can tell he really hurts. Um, I think, you know, and even an incident after the game too, like Sam Patricia Seaton got absolutely towed up during that game by a young bloke, McAdam, who's from the same place in WA as him. This swapping jumpers stuff, you know, with, with two rounds to go, is a joke. I'd be happy to see him take that Guernsey up to a kid over the fence and give it to the kid over the fence, not give it to someone who's played three games and is actually put him to the sword. Oh, just, that made me sick as well. Yeah, that was that was a strange one, I've got to say. I felt like saying, um, Sam, it's not a state of origin game. Like, it's not... What What is the significance of changing Guernseys? And why do you need to do it on the field? If you want Shane McAdams' Guernsey, ring him up during the week and organise a swap that way. I thought it was... I thought it was strange, and I thought that, that was my comment. I thought the whole scenes after the game 
were strange and a, a good symbolisation of just where Carlton are at in terms of how hard a football team they are. But a lot of people disagree with you and I, Sean, and if you do, and if you are one of those, happy to take your calls as always. Peter's in Preston. Essendon, on your radar, Pete. Yeah, good morning, Kay. Good morning, mate. Uh, let's just talk about Essendon, mate. The basket case of the AFL. They've got the worst list in the AFL, and I'll give you a few examples, mate. Well, Bell Chambers has bailed out. Stuart McKernan, Hooker, Heppel, Zaharakis, Fantasia and Stringer. They're all done. They're all, they ought to be got to delist it or go. Uh, they've got injury-prone players there. Smith had a good year after coming back. Uh, they've got a couple of good young rising players in um, Ridley and Draper. Uh, Merritt's an A-grader, but other than that, mate, they've got, and Sard's out of the joint, so they're, they're, they've got a 15-year rebuild, mate. They will not play finals for 15 years. They are the worst list in the AFL. 15 years, that'd be, that'd be a long time for Essendon fans to continue uh, to wait. They were the team, I think, Pete, and I've been you know, pretty strong on Essendon right throughout the year, and my opinion hasn't changed on it, dating back to when the succession plan was announced. I didn't like it. They were the side I was most worried about this year. Uh, McKenna, top 10 players gone. Saad, top 10 player. Who knows? Heppel, top 10 player. Can't get on the park. Hooker dropped. Hurley injured. So, yeah, I'm not as uh, doom and gloom about Essendon as you are, but certainly there's many areas of concern and Ben Rutten is taking over at a time that is is really going to test a rookie coach and that's why it was a really strange appointment. Mark's in Brighton. You want to go back to Carlton and speak about them, Mark? Yeah, Kane, I love them putting the blowtorch on them. I'm a shattered Carlton man, Mark. I'm shattered in terms of the effort they put out and it feels to me like they're just being mulling you know, we're not far, far off they're like pups just sucking on mum's teeth that won't stand up. And my thing that infuriates me the most is where's the president and the director of football? What and Judd? Where's the line of the sign, mm. line of the sand moment? Like Bartlett from Melbourne to say, just not good enough. And mm. as far as the end of season, I reckon other than about eight players, I'd put them all on the trade block and say no sacred cows. Well, and that's strong, and it's it's a bit contrasting to the opinion most Carlton fans would give, and that is that they are on the right track and they're improving. The young guys are going to come through, get Kerno back, and all that. But that's I'm more with you. I'm more with you, Mark. I don't necessarily think the natural progression for Carlton, from what I've seen, is there, and that automatically you do play finals next year. I'm, I'm not seeing it. I feel like they are miles off, and that's been reflected in performances against Sydney and the last-ranked Crows. Andrew is a big Bombers man. He regularly joins us. Your thoughts this week, Andrew? Well, it, look, uh, the roller coaster still goes on, and, and you know, and I went onto the Essendon webpage yesterday, um, and um, they've got a whole section on honouring Wusher and, and got Xavier Campbell saying how wonderful he is. Um, I think they're delusional. I really do. I think I think they lost the plot. Lost the plot, yeah. We'll wait and see. John Walsfold had his last media conference today. I think it was cut off by, from what I saw, some some poor coverage on Zoom, some some, uh, relatively bad internet coverage. I'll be interested to see whether they put him up after the game, John Walsfold, in his last game. I'm surprised they've done so in the last fortnight. It has been strange and it's done the club no favours whatsoever. Plenty more coming up on the captain's run, but it's time now for the latest news with Meredith Gibbs. 
your career, well, the NBA playoffs are coming towards the business end and what was one of the biggest upsets that I think the playoffs have ever seen was the Denver Nuggets upsetting the more fancied Los Angeles Clippers coming back from 3-1 to win the series. Katie Winge is a reporter, host, she's an analyst for the Nuggets and she joins me. Katie, how about that and thanks for joining me. Yeah, so happy too. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're, we're good. T- take us through that. I-, I bet you didn't even predict that. No, honestly, it was such both series so far for the Nuggets have been so fun to watch and so fun to see these guys grow together and, and figure this this thing out, take things to a whole new level. And I think the Clippers in particular, that was a series, obviously, that no one expected the Nuggets to come out on top of except for maybe them and so this belief in each other and this confidence that they built and coming back from being down 3-1 in both of those series it's just been the ultimate Cinderella story and such a fun team to be a part of. Katie, I want to play you this because we'll get to the Nuggets shortly, but the reaction towards the Clippers has been savage. Let's hear Stephen A on the back of this loss. Kawhi Leonard, that might be the biggest choke job we've ever seen in NBA history. I mean, it was that bad. It was that bad. We're talking about a two-time MVP. We're talking about a two-time champion who Max Kellerman has bloviated about being the best in the world. And what happens? You're up 3-1 in the second round, not the conference finals, in the second round against Denver, Jamal Murray and Nikolai Jokic, not LeBron James. And in the second round, up 3-1. You blow a 3-1 lead. What do you do? You shoot 6-22 from the field. You shoot 1-11 in the second half. You didn't even get to the free throw line. Just an absolute positive choke job period oh it's just that simple well it's harsh it is absolutely crazy to hear him say that and to have that be a reality i think and and you're absolutely right the reaction from the clippers fans from the national media seeing them kind of fall apart in the way that they did especially in that game seven and hearing people now talking about how it looks like they kind of threw in the towel and gave up in a lot of ways. And Kawhi was just defeated, man. Like Stephen A. just said, one of 11 from the field. Jeremy Grant had been giving him the business all night long, making things really tough for him. And the Nuggets just kind of snuck away with it. And they had their whole team contributing in that way. So everybody kind of knew their role. And they took the Clippers out of what they wanted to do. And we heard post-game, too, a lot of the, the Clippers, Paul George in particular, talking about how their chemistry in Los Angeles wasn't as good as they hoped it would be. And whether that's true or not, I can speak wholeheartedly on the Nuggets chemistry being the best it's ever been right now, and that might be a huge factor as to why they're in the Western Conference Finals. Well, tell us about that, and in particular, Nikola Jokic, who is just an absolute beast. He's an animal, and some are even saying perhaps the best passing center the game's ever seen. Um, What is he like? And give us an insight. Yeah, I mean, I would have to say that he is the best passing center of all time. He's been an absolute joy to watch in terms of his growth and figuring out the NBA, but also just as a human being, he is a complete goofball and is so genuine and honest and fun and really just loves like playing basketball in this free, loose, pressure-free way it just he's like when I get to play with my teammates and you know we don't have any pressure on us and we can just play together and 
pass and cut and move, that's when we're at our best. And that truly is when the Nuggets are at their best. They play through Nikola Jokic. They basically get him the ball and say, make the best decision. And he does time and time again. Wherever he gets it on the floor, whether it's he's shooting or making a move or one of his teammates is cutting and he's making an unbelievable jaw-dropping pass, he just is the Denver Nuggets offense in so many ways. And him and Jamal Murray have become just the best of brothers, it looks like, on the floor. We talk about duos in the NBA so often, and Jamal and Nicola are two that don't get nearly enough credit, in my opinion, for being one of the best duos in the NBA. I think they're making a name for themselves more now, but the way that they work off of each other in that two-man game and the pick-and-roll and make plays for each other happen, they know each other so well. I just think, you know... Denver Nuggets basketball is run through Nikola Jokic, and that's why it's at such a high level. Well, tell us about Murray also. 23 years of age only. Feels like he's much older and much more mature. Um, And you you said he's not getting the credit that he deserves. Where does he rank in terms of the top guards in the NBA right now? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, right now, the way that he's playing, and I would say top five for sure, top ten in the NBA, Mm -hmm. Um, you talk about his maturity, too, for just being 23, and I think that's something that last year's playoff experience really helped him develop into. I think the way that he is speaking on a, on a national stage about basketball, about more than basketball, about social justice issues, about what's going on in the locker room, he has been the vocal leader and the emotional leader for this Nuggets team through this playoff push, absolutely. And I can't say enough about how great of a job he's done at representing this franchise in that way. I just think his game has blown up. He talked about after that game seven against the Clippers, how, you know, you, you play the Stephen A clip, Stephen A, Shaq, Charles, Zach Lowe from ESPN. Those guys better Mm. start giving the Nuggets some damn respect because they worked their butts off. And Jamal is a, a product of that and a great example of that of putting in extra work, putting in extra time, making sure he's talking to the right people and training in the right way and and eating the right way, getting stronger, little details like that. And we're seeing all of that pay off for Jamal in the way that he's been playing as of late. Katie Wynge is a reporter, host, she's an analyst following the Nuggets around in the NBA. They're set to take on the uh, Lakers getting underway very shortly. Right now it is Boston leading Miami in Game 2 of the Eastern Conference Final, 71-61. to So that brings me to the next question. Can they upset the more fancy Lakers and, and win as an underdog again? I don't think you can count the Nuggets out of anything right now. So, yes, absolutely. Can they upset the Lakers? In my mind, yes. They have that opportunity. They are playing their best basketball right now. They are the most confident that they have ever been. I think collectively as a group, you know kind of what you're going to get with Nicole Jokic and Jamal Murray. But to me, the, the, the biggest most exciting thing about that game seven was how the rest of the Nuggets stepped up, how Gary Harris and Paul Millsap and Jeremy Grant were knocking down shots and Michael Porter Jr. was knocking down shots and that second unit was playing in rhythm and keeping up with a really talented Clippers bench. So the entire team right now is just on a, on a level that Nuggets fans have not seen. They've believed in and they've seen glimpses of, but now it's on full display and the rest of the world is having to take notice of that. So the way that this team has been playing, the resiliency in which they've been playing with, you can't count them out of any situation, not even against 
the the favorites that are the Los Angeles Lakers. I mean, the Clippers were the favorites before this. Mm. They get down 3-1 and come back. So even if the Nuggets find themselves down, I mean, they're going to be saying to themselves, we've been here before, we've been underestimated before, we've been disrespected before, let's go out and prove them all wrong. So, yes, this is a different beast in terms of what you're going against with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, but the Nuggets are up for the challenge, and I'm excited to see how they do. Katie, it is a great story and one we can't wait to follow. Congratulations on your coverage of it and joining us today. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. We'll give you those live scores as they get underway. Boston now lead only by four, so Miami making a nice run five minutes to go in the third quarter. There's also some NFL action on right now. The Browns take on the Bengals. Um, Joe Burrow up against Bacon Mayfield, and the Bengals kicked a field goal earlier on. They lead 3-0, but the Browns look like they just scored a touchdown, which I think they did, so they will go up. We'll keep you updated with that. one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 is the number. Chris is in Craigieburn. He joins me um, from and we'll speak about Carlton. Chris, welcome. Yeah, good day, Kane. Thanks for that, mate. Um, I've got Pleasure. a couple of things to add just about Carlton, I guess. Obviously, like all supporters, I've had my frustrations this year and, um, you know, probably coming from really only stringing four good quarters um, together for a game, probably up against the Bulldogs, and that's probably it. So they've certainly shown their best was good enough. But, you know, probably one stat that stood out to me that's sort of settled me a little bit is probably how poor our drafting was. I think it's pre-SOS, where um, currently on our list, Age players between 26 and 29. Um, we've only got four. So we've got Jones, Newman, Nunes and Doherty, all who came from other clubs. And um, some clubs in the, in the window, like Collingwood have 15 in that age group, Richmond mm. 11, West Coast 13 and Geelong have 10. So that's really the big gap for me at the moment and sort of maybe why we can excuse um, some of the, the fluctuations. Well, it's a really insightful. Uh, it's a really insightful call, and I mean that's the backbone of your side, isn't it? I mean those those players, as you mentioned, that are in that age bracket are the ones that are are in their prime and, and going to drive you through. So, uh, Stephen Silvani's tenure um, finished obviously last year. When did he join the club? It may have been twenty fourteen, but I'll just Google that for you and get that spot on. So it was prior to Sauce's time that you are critical of the drafting and. That's why nailing it and getting the right picks um, are where premierships are won. Premierships are won on draft night. And that's why it's a fascinating period. The trade period coming up is going to be busy. What do Carlton do? No Papley now. Um, do they look to bolster the midfield, which they need to do to support Cripps, who looks tired, who looks out in his feet, only 25 years of age, but looks completely cooked this year. So he needs some support. So that would be priority number one after missing out on Dylan Shield in recent years as well. Dennis is in Geelong. Uh, Sean Ryan called time on his AFL career recently. Um, Dennis, you want to chat about that? Uh, look, Kane, I, I, I'd love to talk about it because uh, it'd be great if uh, somehow the SEN could get uh, Sean <coughs> onto the radio and uh, have a chat to him about the uh, where he came from as a kid uh, from, from Warnable. Um, and then uh, from there, you know, just for a bit of pocket money, he took up umpiring as a, you know, 14-year-old, 13-year-old, and then, then was the youngest person to umpire a Hamden League game. Then with his studies with law, came to Geelong and then umpired um, the three major grand finals in Geelong and then was picked up by uh, the VFL. 
uh, back in those days, uh, and then uh, did the VFL Grand Final, and then from there he, he was selected to go on to the AFL Senior List, and that was in 2003, and from there he umpired eight Grand Finals in the AFL, 345 games, uh, an absolute gentleman, an absolute uh, game-changer, trailblazer, you name it. Sean Ryan uh, changed the culture of the AFL umpires uh, from individualistic to team orientated. And uh, what's he, your connection with him, Dennis? Like everything you're saying is a remarkable career as you're describing it. Um, not many footy fans follow umpires as closely as that. What's your connection to Sean? Oh, just just that I, I I've sort of taken a, a lot of interest in in his career. He, you know, I'm I, I started my career at the Geelong Umpires, and uh, you know I uh, you know there's a soft spot there, and to think mm. that he umpired and then got picked up after he did the GFL Grand Final, which is the major Grand Final in Geelong. Um, you know, in 19 uh, I think it was 1996. So, you know, that he's got a decorated career. He's probably going to go down as the all-time best uh, of the best uh, in, in his era. And uh, I just, uh, to be honest, he, 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 he is an absolute legend. He'll, he'll go into the Hall of Fame. Good on you, mate. Appreciate, I appreciate your thoughts on it. It's a remarkable career, and um, he, he should go out um, with the respect and the credibility that you have aptly described this morning. But uh, as you said, 38 finals, 346 matches. Sean Ryan, what a career. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Plenty more coming up after this on the Captain's Run. Uh, good feedback coming through on the NBA chat we had before. Unbelievable. Um, 0433981116. Great segment. Jokic is an unbelievable player, says Chris in Melbourne. Massive Nuggets fans. That's a trip hearing you talk about her. Cornsy, great. Get, she's a gun. Go Nuggets. Lee from Footscray. So, um, yeah, there's some NBA action happening right now as well. Miami now have hit the front against Boston late in the third quarter. They lead 79-77, looking to go 2-1 up, 2-0 up in the Eastern Finals. And, of course, those Nuggets take on the Lakers after this game. Um, just on the Herald Sun now, how, how about this? Players preparing with soap as ugly final series is upon us. Uh, I reckon I said this two weeks ago. Um, I, I said the decision to play a night grand final at the Gabba was ridiculous, and it's only going to get more tricky. Um, reading this morning, Mark Stevens says the Collingwood players are training with balls dipped in baby oil and water as they try and prepare for the conditions at the Gabba. We saw the footy last night. That one was at Metricon. But on Monday, Scott Pendlebury said it was like playing a game in driving rain there. Why you would play the grand final at night at the Gabba in October is ridiculous when we've got the magnificent Adelaide Oval or Optus Stadium in Perth. And I understand the reasons behind it, but it was the wrong call to host the grand final on that ground. And there's no getting around it. The spectacle is going to be terrible as the final series um, is upon us. And we'll wait and see. But Collingwood taking on Port Adelaide once again at the Gabba on Monday night. 
and Collingwood training with baby oil and water on their balls. That's how concerned they are about the conditions. What a ridiculous decision it was to play the grand final there. one 736 736 This is the captain's run for Apollo League. ApolloLeague.com. Elevate your career. Let's have a listen to Collingwood player Taylor Adams on the conditions in Queensland. I don't think it's too, unless it's you know makes the spectacle really really poor. I don't think it's too much of an issue. Um, same obviously same for both teams, and but we can't change it now. We're certainly not playing the MCG this year, so yeah, we're, we're we've actually adjusted our training schedules to to train you know a couple of sessions at night just to get used to that the jury ball. But um, it's funny, it doesn't when you when you warm up, it doesn't really feel that slippery. But once every, everyone starts sweating and um, you know the just accumulation of the dew and it does. It does feel like a bit of a, a cake of soap, but um, as I said, it, it, it's sort of it's, a, it's an issue for, for each club, and we're just dealing with it. It's not the worst thing that's happened this year, so I'm not going to get too concerned about it. Well said. I wouldn't expect him to say anything else. Not going to complain about it because it's the same for everyone. But in terms of where the grand final should have been held, uh, Adelaide Oval can now hold um, twenty five thousand. That's set to increase. Perfect conditions. No due here. And, and Perth's the same, yet we're going to hold it at the Gabba. Adam Simpson, the game last night, was tough to watch. He spoke about the conditions post-game. You're not going to see pretty footy. It doesn't matter who you, who you are. So you do have to adapt. So we started the game tonight thinking that we'd have a go at just using the whole ground and um, trying to play our way. But that's just the way night games here are going to be. We, we get eskies out every training session and tip, got the soapy water and we're trying to adapt as best we can. Interesting decision and perhaps one the AFL didn't think of. Interesting final series coming up as the conditions become more tricky. You are listening to the Captain's Run 20 coming up in the last hour, including Chris Davies from Port Adelaide and the world-famous quiz. Apollo League, the team to revolutionise your career in the corporate world. ApolloLeague.com the Captain's Run with Kane Corns. A busy couple of hours. We're here thanks to Apollo League, ApolloLeague.com. Elevate your career in a matter of moments. We're going to speak to Colin Smith, who's Director of Global Media and Sports, and he's a media rights expert on the ugly situation unfolding between Cricket Australia and Channel 7. Also, in the next hour, I've got to give you my top five people who I would love to have a beer with on the back of former field hockey player Georgie Parker saying... Kane Corns is the person I'd least like to have a beer with. thought that was pretty harsh myself, but send through the people you would like to have a beer with, 0433981116. But let's get to him because he's been waiting patiently for us. Colin Smith's taken some time out of his busy day. He's a media rights expert. He joins us. Colin, thanks for your time. Thanks, Kane. Uh, great to talk to you, and I'd love to have a beer with you anytime. <laughs> and I'd like to have one with you too and discuss this situation with Channel 7 and Cricket Australia. It's been fascinating. It's been bubbling away for probably four to six weeks now, but it got serious in the last week or so. Legal action, there's mediation. Can you give us the latest from a media expert's perspective? So uh, the, the fundamental is... Um, this changing COVID-19 world means that the value and of sports media rights is being you know, affected. 
and this is mm. this is not just an Australian phenomenon. This is a global phenomenon, and it's not only the sports that have been affected. And they you know, have certainly been a, uh, dramatically affected, but also the broadcasters, and so therefore, this uh, requires a reset. And what that reset will, will, will look like for cricket is an open question, but we've certainly seen the reset what's happened for the AFL, for the NRL, and frankly for rugby and for the A-League. So Channel 7 have made a partial payment for the rights, which is the $450 million, I think is the total figure, um, but they're not willing to pay any more. Now, they cite that the, the product has been diluted because international stars won't be able to come out for the BBL. There's concerns about the schedule. Who knows how much cricket can be played at the MCG and all of that. Uh, are they right with their, with their grievance? Oh, those things ultimately will be tested in, you know, could be tested in court or, or could be just, um, tested in negotiations. Um, and but the critical element is broadcasters broadcast sport like cricket to get um, to have an attractive product that is uh, what they paid for because that gets uh, people watching on television. Um, that in other words, it's it's got very high fan engagement. If the sport's affected and drops fans, then the whole commercial model doesn't work because not, not enough fans are watching it. And that's frankly mm. is the fundamental of this whole debate. Um, and will will the what's happening with um, because of the bubbles? Uh, will there be enough players playing? Is is fundamental to the success of of cricket this summer? Mm. So, Colin, with Channel 7, they clearly lost money in the first year of their broadcast rights. Now, some would say you're trying to back out of a deal that you've realised was was not a great one commercially. Um, do you think that would be what Cricket Australia are saying? And you've made the commitment. It's now time to follow it through. And just because you've lost money on it in the first year, you can't use the coronavirus as an excuse? Um, that I could I can understand that maybe cricket's uh, response, but the other other question is, um, you you've actually bought a product and you have expectations because your fans want that, mm. and if that's not there, uh, then that changes. And frankly, that's what's happened with the AFL and the NRL. Um, you know, the the product wasn't, and yeah, you know, it was even more, much much more dramatic with, say, the A-League and Super Rugby, uh, where the competition's changed, and therefore, in those cases, uh, broadcasters got and received discounts, significant discounts. Colin Smith is Director of Global Media and Sports. He's a media rights expert who has worked across numerous sports, including rugby league, football, basketball, netball, golf, surfing, even racing, cycling and the Olympic sports. What about the rights for the Olympic Games coming up as well? Traditionally, always a Channel 7 product. Do you expect yep. that to go through at the normal rate or will there need to be a reduction in negotiation there? That's 
uh, a really good, really good question. Yeah, if the Olympic Games, and you know, for all intents and purposes, uh, it looks like it is going ahead. Um, and if it's going ahead and there is no change other than there's a 12-month lag, um, you, you could argue that the value is the same. Now, if that's if the content is um, affected. Uh, or the standards are affected, that's a different question. But right now, as I understand it, it's going to be the 2020 Olympic Games, but held in 2021. So actually, in in essence, it's going to be the same. So I wouldn't expect the same uh, material effect effect on value as I would with um, what's been discussed with cricket and what's already happened with the NRL and the AFL. Do you think Channel 9 are sniffing around? I mean, they, they covered cricket so successfully for so many years. Do you think they'll be sitting back watching this situation pretty closely, ready to pounce if things do go right? I mean, it's interesting. Uh, I, I think the CEO of Channel 9 has come out and said, we're still interested in cricket. But I, I think he then put a caveat on that and said, well, it depends on the value, uh, which means uh, he, Channel 9 thought they were overpaying previously and so therefore would want um, not to be paying that sort of amount. And then the question is, if Channel 9 wanted it, what would they want? Because historically, they only had the international side of cricket, the tests, ODIs and international T20, and Big Bash was with Channel 10. So mm. what does that mean going forward? Uh, what part would they want? And where would, say... If what they only wanted was international, where does Big Bash go? So before we let you go, how, how do you predict this will play out? I think it'll be that Channel 7 does cover the cricket, but at a reduced rate. Is that a decent guess? Well, I would uh, I would suggest that common sense needs to be uh, prevail, and it's frankly, how can we actually, how can cricket maximise its viewership for its fans, nothing to do with Channel 7 because that's only a distribution mechanism. And therefore, I would see ultimately common sense will prevail uh, um, and we will see cricket, uh, definitely. I mean, it is it is Australia's summer sport and so mm. I can't see that changing. But it will be, the question will be at what value? Good on you, Colin. Appreciate the insights and the update, mate. Uh, we'll hopefully speak to you again as this deal gets a little bit closer and more to being finalised. Pleasure, Payne. Great to talk to you. Good on you. Colin Smith, Director of Global Sports and Media. A, a fascinating situation for everyone at home. I mean, the summer of cricket's about to get underway and there's no um, guarantee on the broadcast deal and, and that clearly affects the players and what they will get paid and all sorts of ramifications Um Clearly, and it has been has been a rite of passage to sit back and watch cricket throughout the summer on free-to-air TV. It would be a mighty shame if that doesn't happen. Hey, another exceptional Australian sporting achievement. You, you know I love my running, don't you? But i just got to pay a shout-out to Australia's brightest athlete coming through. And as we speak about the Olympics, Stewie McSwain is going to have a lot to say about the Olympic Games. And he is going to take... Over Craig Mottram as Australia's greatest track and field athlete in recent times. He has just run 7 minutes and 28 seconds 
for 3K this morning, which is the new national record taken from Craig Mottram by over four seconds. I'm just trying to Google for you. That, that is two minutes 29 per kilometre for 3Ks. Uh, have a think about that. And I, I did give the example on Twitter this morning. We had the 3K time trial as our measurement for fitness in the pre-season. And I remember the midfielders had to get under 10 minutes. If you want us to play in the midfield, under 10 minutes for 3Ks. Well, Stewie McSwain's just run 7 minutes 28 at 2.29 per kilometre. We'll get him on next week and we'll have a chat because he's the national record holder across a lot of distances and he will be the biggest name as we gear up to the Olympics. So remember the name, Stewie McSwain, breaking the 3K record. one 736 736 Massive game of footy on tonight. Let's speak about that because a finals position hangs on the end of it and Mark is in South Melbourne. He's a Saints fan. Mark, are you confident tonight that you win and guarantee that final spot? Uh, put it this way, the minute it hits the afternoon today, I'm going to open up a stubby. I am so nervous because, you, you know, your, club, your club's on the line. We wouldn't have thought that we would finish eighth, but we need a bit of leadership. One, the leadership will be back on the bench because Ruffy's going to be there. I want to see a bit of versatility here. I'm part of the animal enclosure. You let me speak to these blokes and I'll feed into them and get them that revved up because you only get a few opportunities in life. I'm, I'm sick and tired of the same thing that's coming in every week. We've got the same midfield. I'd like to see a little bit different. You know, well, Hannibal's in. A little bit. Yeah, but he's injury prone. Well, he played the whole game out. You know, I, wouldn't, I would love to see St Kilda have a forward line. And this would get Greater Western Sydney a bit shocked. Play Hill out of the out of the goal square for ten minutes. Mm. All right, you're a nervous Saints fan. I would be nervous as well. But I've got to say, GWS are the team in terms of tipping that I tip more wrong than any other team in history, and I've tipped them again now, whatever that means, but they continually let them down. So two changes for the Saints, Hanabry and Carlisle, a couple of experienced players in. You're right with Hanabry, massive risk to bring him back off a serious injury just out of quarantine. So we'll wait and see how that goes. Big risk there. They're throwing the kitchen sink at this game. Jake Riccardi back in, as is the captain, Stephen Canelio. Big out as well, Harry Himmelberg, and I reckon that will have some clubs sniffing around for his services in the off-season. Adam Kennedy also omitted one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Have you say on that? The winner probably um, makes the finals. Well, they will if it's a Saints fan. For the Giants, got to make up a little bit of percentage to guarantee that spot as well. It is time, is it? Sixteen minutes past eleven o'clock. If you're in Adelaide, it's fourteen minutes to ten. Live basketball scores: absolute thriller in Game Two. Miami leads Boston eighty-nine to eighty-seven with seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And Bacon Mayfield is dominating for the Cleveland Browns up against the Bengals in that game. They lead fourteen to three. Plenty more on the captains' run next. Coming up very, very shortly. It's been a busy show. Still plenty of time to take your calls. one 736 736 Some significant changes were made to Port Adelaide's list yesterday. So we thought we'd get on SENSA this morning. Chris Davies, who is their GM of football, for a broader discussion on all things Port Adelaide. But he's also a part of the competition committee with the AFL who meet next week. So let's welcome him into the show. Chris Davies. No worries. Good morning. 
We'll start with uh, Justin Westoff. Um, calling time on his career yesterday. He's been rightly lauded. CD, there may be some footy left for him to play, but how do you sum up the career of, of the great Justin Westoff? Oh, look, for the, for the five years that I've been at the club, he's been amazing. And obviously for the nine years before that, he was equally as good. Um, I mean, you know, Kane, he's, he's a guy that gives himself to the group uh, in every way. Uh, not the most vocal, but when he does speak, you listen. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, genuinely leads the group through, you know, his own training ethic and, and actions. So, uh, look, he'll, he'll be a guy who'll be missed into the future. But as you say, right now, you know, his perspective was to get the announcement out the way so that, um, you know, the, the, the rest of the group could focus on the remainder of the year. And, and whether he plays again is not, was not necessarily his focus. It was more around saying this is going to be it and, and whatever happens from here will we'll go on for him. Some other uh, big list announcements yesterday. Uh, unfortunately, CD, Jaitley, Grundy, Tobin Cox and Wally Buzzer not offered contracts for next season. Um, how much more needs to be done with your list and, and is this only the start of, of telling some players that it may be their last season at the level? Uh, look, I think the reality is kind of there'll be more, um, but for right now, uh, you know, we, we got to a point after the weekend where we, we don't think that there's going to be an opportunity to play any games at, at the next level down in between now and the end of the season. So for those, you know, four guys and, and probably Martin Frederick and Jake Padmore, who we've told don't need to train as well, you know, we thought it was best for those guys to be told straight away. It's, it's hard information to deliver, but at the same time, I know that all of those guys were appreciative of the fact that the club was up front and told them as to where they were at. You know, they now can, uh, I, I guess, get on with finding a new club or, or finding the next part of their lives. Um, but those, you know, each, each of those players has, has impacted, um, you know, the club significantly and, and we're fortunate to be able to say right now that, you know, they've left the place in a better spot than probably they all did when they came. So, um, um, yeah, mark of a, a player in many respects, isn't it, is that the group has, has taken its trajectory, um, you know, upwards in a, in a pretty quick time and, and we thank those guys for being a part of that. It's September the 18th and you're still not clear on what list sizes and the salary cap looks like for next year. Does that frustrate you? Uh, look, I'm over the frustration period, to be honest. I, we, you know, you, I was frustrated probably 12 weeks ago when we didn't know. But, um, yeah, the, the reality is it's what we've got to deal with now. And, um, yeah, I'm sure that the, the AFL and the, the AFLPA will come up with um, the right outcome. Uh, let's hope it's sooner rather than later. But uh, as, as you say at the start, you know, these, these changes are made because we, we envisage, number one, having to make changes anyway and, and naturally... Yeah, we've got some players that we want to uh, bring into the, the club either through draft or you know, free agency or, or through the trade period. But at the same time, yeah, we think that there's going to be a, a lower list number next year as well. So we're trying to prepare ourselves and manoeuvre as best as we possibly can. Are you concerned, CD, that uh, some rival clubs might try and raid a few of your assistants? We spoke to Nathan Bassett on Monday. He said he'll sign a contract when he sees one that he likes. Does that go through <laughs> your mind? <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I mean, I think it's going to be tougher 
for clubs to actually make decisions to lose coaches than it is to actually rehire them. Yeah. Um, you know, with with a with a change in the soft cap of you know three and a half million dollars, it's um, you've got to do some proper uh, culling of your of your off field staff uh, in order to even contemplate bringing someone in and. and yeah, most clubs who are doing that are in you know pretty poor situations. So you wouldn't necessarily be thinking someone like Bass would want to, um, uh, or any assistant coach for that matter, would would want to further their career at um, at a club right now that um, isn't necessarily going the way that we are. But it's it's, uh, <clears throat> it's going to be a challenge into the future. There's no doubt about it. Um, as I say, you've got to trim that amount of money off of your soft cap and, and you've got to manage a group of people who right now I think our group have handled things as well as I could have possibly asked. So there's going to you know, be some tough decisions still to be made um, and uh, it's going to be hard work but I imagine that you know, all of those coaches will, will have to weigh up their futures if they're out of contract and that's not just ours, it's the guys across the competition that they're going to have to weigh up whether they you know, want to stay in the industry, whether they um, you know, can earn more money elsewhere, potentially in the media. I'm not sure. Hazy, um, you, you'd know you get decent money in the media, don't you? And um, uh, the guys are going to have to you know, contemplate what it is that, um, that they want to do from here. Well, I don't see that. So um, if you've heard there's good money, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, that's foreign to me. <laughs> hey, CD, Collingwood are going to play you at the Gabba for some unknown reason that I can't get my head around when there's a perfectly good Adelaide Oval down the road that can hold 25,000 in, in good conditions. It's going to be their sixth game at the Gabba in a row and their seventh in the space of eight games. It doesn't sound right to me. Did you take that up with the AFL? Yeah, look, I know the club did. Um, you know, Matt Richardson leads a charge on a lot of those things within our club and you know, we had... Uh, asked the question of, of the AFL throughout the year, um, just the evening um, relation to the disparity between the number of games that we played at Adelaide Oval compared to um, Adelaide. Um, yeah, that was a discussion that was had. But, um, look, you, you put your best foot forward and, and hope that you get an outcome. But it was a Collingwood home game. and, and uh, Well, sorry, it was, it was fixed as a Collingwood home game. And on that basis, um, the AFL and, and Collingwood saw it fit to play um at the at the gabba so um i mean you, you know the, um, those things get taken out of our hands pretty quickly so um you know as we've done all year we you, you might raise an eyebrow to it but um at the same time this this has been an interesting year and and you move on pretty quickly but um look it'll be a great test for us obviously going up there you know where collingwood have got a fair bit to play for as have we um you know we we really want to finish the the season on a high, you know, we, we started it really well to to have been on top of the ladder for um, the entire period of time this year. I think it's something the guys you know, really want to attack on uh, on Monday night. And uh, I guess with the grand final being played there at a, a similar sort of time spot, um, it'll be another good opportunity for us to um, to experience those conditions. So, um, we're, look, although we raised our eyebrows at the start, we're not too fussed about it. Okay. It's emerged that uh, Collingwood have trained with balls dipped in baby oil and water, CD. Will, will your boys do something similar to prepare for the dewy conditions? Well, I think uh, Tommy Jonas is going to bring <laughs> me the baby oil now that he's become a father the other day. Uh, he's got loads of it. He's ready to go. Um, I think we've been doing 
um, some things we've been uh, looking at, Albert, and um, being under a little bit more water than normal at this time of year. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll try and look at uh, the way that we handle the conditions, but I reckon we've we've handled them pretty well up there, you know, to this point. So uh, the coaches, I'm sure, will come up with some innovative ways of, of trying to replicate the conditions, but ultimately... I think if we worry about playing our best footy, um, we'll, uh, that will be far outweigh whether the ball's got baby oil on or not. <laughs> what about... Although that? I might take the baby oil, baby oil up to Queensland and just get myself a tan. What do you reckon? <laughs> yeah, put it on that bald head of yours. Jeez. We're veering off into dangerous directions. Um, Sadie, what about, what about some night training sessions? Is that something that uh, the coaching staff would consider? Yeah, we'll, we'll look at that as well. Um, you know, now that uh, we haven't been able to train Adelaide Oval much um, this year, just through the number of games that were on it for a period of time as well. So you know, that, that'll be part of the, the mix that we throw in. Obviously, um, the further we get into the finals, the more chance we also want to give you know, uh, for our supporters to come and have a look at training. If that's going to be possible, obviously that'll be something that the AFL will have to, um, uh, to tick off. But yeah, the club's got all of those things in mind and yeah, we, we've yeah we've been so fortunate this year to have amazing support from from our members, um, from the people who have come to Adelaide Oval and, and watched the games, and even in Queensland, the majority of games that we've played up there, we've had more supporters than the, the other team, even though it's been obviously a lesser number. Um, yeah, we can't thank our people enough for the support they've given us this year. You sit on uh, the games committee. You know, the AFL's got a meeting with that next week. CD on the agenda will be the length of the game. Do you ever thought that? Um the game should return back to its normal length of 20 minutes plus time on? Oh, look, I mean, that's, I've got a personal view that, that it can it can go back out, but you know, what the, the considerations that need to be taken into account, I think, will be laid bare at that meeting next week. So, yeah, there are, there are things that um, revolve around that that um, we'll have to take into account whether there's going to be more games next year, you know, whether the, the schedule of games, whether the season starts later or not. So, the there are a number of factors that um, that go into a decision like that. But if if you were just looking at it as um, you know, going back to a normal season, then I think it makes sense to go back to um, you know normal times in games. CD, thanks so much for your time again. Good luck on Monday night. Thanks, guys. Appreciate support. Sports biggest moments called play by play from around the world, right here on SEN. Oh, welcome back. That's me, says Johnny Guy. I was just watching the finish to the basketball, waiting for some music to play. It didn't straight into it. And I think it's the heat that's going to um, go 2-0 up against the Boston Celtics. But joining us now is Jared Timms from Neds, as he does each and every week. Take your betting to the Neds level. Gamble responsibly. 1-800-858-858. Timsy, welcome again. Morning, Kane. How are you, mate? Fair bit riding on tonight's game. Yeah, just can't wait for this one. Plenty on the line here. Genuine case to be built for both sides as well. As it stands, those in Kilda are our $1.85 favourites. There's $2.05 on offer for GWS. As always, we're offering $2 lines on every game this weekend. They have been set at just a point and a half for tonight's flash. I'll be interested in the line for the next game. Don't think Adelaide can win, but I think they can cause Richmond some trouble. The inform Adelaide Crows, surely this one will prove to be a bridge too far for them, though. That's certainly echoed in the market today, Kane. $4.50 plays $1.24. I agree with you, though. Some value for the Adelaide fans here at our $2 line. They've been set at 21.5 points. There you go. Bit of value in that. I'd like a 21 and a half point start if I was the Crows. Uh, Fremantle and the Western Bulldogs. Dogs just have to win. 
Yeah, shaping is another pretty good contest. This one very much a case of win and you're in for the dogs, though. Uh, that is exactly what betting suggests is going to happen here, too. They're into a dollar forty-six now. Fremantle mantle out to two dollars eighty-eight and two-dollar line set at twelve and a half points. Monday night at the Gabba, Collingwood taking on Port Adelaide. It must sound like a broken record here, Kane, but really looking forward to this one as well. The minor premiership on the line. Collingwood by no means an easy beat either. Port RL $1.65 favourites. Good value for the Pies, though. I thought at $2.35. $2 line set at 7.5 points. I think Collingwood win that one, so a good value there. All right, Timsy, we'll speak to you next week, mate. Appreciate it. Thanks, Kane. Good luck, Hunters. Whatever you like to bet on, take it to the Neds level. Gamble responsibly. One eight hundred eight five eight. Jimmy Buckets has just gone to the free throw line. Puts Miami up one oh six to one oh one with seven seconds to go. So an amazing comeback from the Heat, and they will go two zero up. Of course, the Lakers game taking on the Nuggets about to get underway as well. And in the NFL. Uh, it is the Browns taking on the Bengals, and it's the Browns doing most of the damage. Get the scores up for you in a second. It is just 14 to 10. There you go, 14 to 10. Um, we'll play the quiz next. So one 736 736 if you want to line up right now and get involved in the quiz. Last person standing. We'll do Chad's Brothers quiz next. Apollo League. Move yourself up in the corporate world and elevate your career. ApolloLeague.com. The Captain's Run with Kane Corns. Now, it's time for Chad's Brothers Quiz. Scott Penderbury is set to run out for game number 314 for the Magpies on Monday, which is historic in itself. So it's a Scott Pendlebury quiz this morning, and Tim is going to get us underway. Welcome to you, Tim. How are you, Karen? Seems a lifetime ago, but Scott Pendlebury was drafted in 2005. At what pick? Oh, I reckon it was number eight. It wasn't number eight, but you weren't far away. Jason and Clyde, what pick did Pendles go in the 2005 draft, Jason? Uh, number five. He did go number five. And how many Copeland trophies has he won? Five. Yes. Are you a Scott Pendlebury fan? No, I'm a Hawthorne supporter. Wow, it's good effort getting us underway with the first two. Three more for the win. Um, to you, Jace. who took Scott Pendlebury's spot in the AIS squad for basketball after he left to pursue footy? Paddy Mills. Yeah, you're on fire, mate. What Guernsey number did he have before switching to 10 in the 27, 2007 season? Three, two... Uh, 38. Yes, wasn't 38, but good effort getting us through and doing some heavy lifting. Jace, Anthony's on the line. Anthony, what... Guernsey number did he have before switching to number 10 in 2007? Okay, that was a 44. Wasn't 44. No, it wasn't. It was a bit lower than that. Hugh wants to have a crack. G'day, Hugh. G'day, Chats, brother. How are you going? I'm very, very well. What Guernsey number did he have before making the switch in 2007? I reckon he played 16. 
He did play number 16. I forgot all about that. What game number will Pendles play on Monday to break the Collingwood record? I've already given this away. Uh, so he'll play 314. He will play 314. And you, my friend, you are the winner of the quiz this morning. And you have won 18 holes of golf for two, plus a complimentary drink card thanks to Club Mandalay. A must-play course in Melbourne's north. I want your calls through until 12 o'clock today, or your texts, because it's been a significant week of feedback, it must be said. Old Rocco wrote three columns on the back of some comments that uh, were said about Carlton cheering off Bryce Gibbs on Monday night. Three columns, Roko. <laughs> Come on, son. Whew, that was uh, that was extreme, I thought. Um, also, a lot of mean tweets coming through, which we did do earlier on. If you missed it, you can check out my Twitter. We've um, tweeted the podcast of mean tweets, one of which came from a former field hockey player, an AFLW three-game player, Georgie Parker, who said, what did she say again, Benny? Is her exact words were... There isn't a person I'd rather have a beer with less than Kane Corns. But we're going to flip it. We're going to go a bit more positive. Who would you love to have a beer with? I've got three. Now, firstly, the big man from Geelong. He He's right up there, the big man. Now, I've actually uncovered his identity, which he hates. He doesn't like the fact that I now know who he is. But I do know who he is, but I reckon he'd be a good storyteller, the big man. We could sing the Sam Menegola song, the Jimmy Bartell song. We'd have all sorts of fun. I think I'd really like to have a beer with Andre Agassi because my brother actually had to, got to do this. And Andre Agassi has a hidden talent where he can look at you and within sort of 10, 20 seconds, he tells you, extremely accurately how tall you are and what you weigh. And he did this for Chad, who caught up with him in Las Vegas through the Darren Cale connection, of course, um, Australian tennis player, Australian coach, and now on the Port Adelaide board. And Andre cooks a mean steak, apparently, and he loves a cold beer, and he can tell you your height and your weight within 10 seconds of looking at you. What a, what a hidden talent. Who knew? But I reckon he'd be a ripper. And Big Shaq, I reckon, would, would have a few good stories to tell. So there's three. The big man from Geelong, Andre Agassi and Shaq. I would like to have a beer with those. 0433981116. A lot of coming through on the text. This one's got to be taking the mickey, though. Dan Andrews. You want to have a beer with Dan Andrews? Yeah, not 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 for me, but uh, appreciate that thought. Uh, Cade Simpson would be, would be great to catch up with and have a beer with, says Roger. Nikola Jokic, a.k.a. the Big Honey, or the Somber Shuffler, says Lee in Footscray. Kane Corns, few nominations. There you go. Bit of love. I think they're probably taking the mickey because I'm a terrible person to have a beer with, and Georgie Parker was right. Oh, I wouldn't want to have a beer with me either. And someone else says, come up to Mackay for a game of golf, says Ian. Also, a terrible beer drinker and a terrible golfer. 0433981116. You can do that. The AFL MVP nominees are through, and this is when you sit down as your footy club and you vote for the three of your teammates who have had the most impact or been the most valuable year on year. Can I just tell you, Lockie Neal will win this award, um, and he'll probably win the Brownlow, but I don't necessarily think he's been the most valuable player this year. The most valuable player for me across the competition, I've got three, so we'll go three down to one. We'll start at number three. I think 
value. Charlie Dixon comes in at number three just for how important he has been to his team, how often they target him inside 50, the presence that he is, the goal-scoring ability, best contested mark in the game. So I think he's the third most valuable player. Second, and he was perhaps number one before last weekend, Tom Hawkins has been you know, had such a influential year and, and arguably the most valuable player in the game. But I think just Nick Natanui has been the most valuable player in the game for me. Now, those three won't win the award. They won't feature in the Brownlow medal. They certainly don't feature in the coaches' votes. But if you're looking at value, Nick Nat, Hawkins and Dixon for me. And yes, Lockie Neal's had a great year, but the most valuable are those three um, for me. Get involved in the next 10 minutes or so. Dwayne Russell with Dwayne's World just dominating after 12 o'clock. He will join you. Live scores from the basketball. It is the Heat going 2-0 up against the Celtics in the Eastern Conference uh, playoffs race there. So somewhat of a surprise. They came back from a, a significant margin down at the start of the third quarter. It was above double digits. So Jimmy Butler gets the heat to a 2-0 lead. Up next, the Lakers taking on the Nuggets, and you'll have live scores throughout the day right here on your home of sport, SEN. But who would you love to have a beer with? 0433 We'll take your text next. .com. The Captain's Run with Kane Corns. I love to have a beer with Duncan. I love to have a beer with Duncan. Georgie Park doesn't want to have a beer with me. I'm shattered about that. But we are asking who you'd like to have a beer with. Off the text, Gordon Ramsay, Jonathan Brown, Donald Trump, Jordan DeGoe. I live in Victoria and I'd like to have a beer with anyone. Adam Scott, Michael Jordan, Dane Swan would be a good time. Jared Roughhead, Mike Tyson, Tiger Woods, Kimi Rackinen, Ron Barassi, Neil Danaher and Justin Langer all receiving... Very worthy nominations. Mark's in Sunshine West. Mark, who would you like to have an ice-cold beer with? Uh, I've had breakfast with this guy because I met him three years ago, Curtis Stone, but I'd love to have a beer with him. Uh, what was he like? Greg Norman. Oh, mate, he was a ripper. He stood beside me at a bar, bar called Hotel Australia. We watched the Geelong Adelaide pre-league together in 2017. Absolute wow. ripping bloke. Yeah. Oh, good on you, Absolute Mark. Absolute ripping bloke. Um... Uh, Greg Norman, I'd love to have yep, it here with Greg Norman. Yeah, and the last one is Jonathan Brown. Jonathan Brown getting a few nominations as well. John is on the line. Johnny, we're asking who you'd love to have a beer with. Um, mine would be David Pocock. Um, he's got a really interesting backstory. He's intelligent, great sportsman, and a great humanitarian. I really like him. Good on you, Johnny. Appreciate that. Uh, 04 11 Heaps. Text coming through. Well, big man's going to come on and join us next week. He's in the middle of laying a slab at the moment, and we've uncovered his identity, and he's not happy about that. Bob is in Port Melbourne. Might be our last caller of the morning before Dwayne Russell takes over, but do you want to chat about the hot topic this morning? Uh, Bryce Gibbs, Bobby, your thoughts? Yeah, thanks, Kane. That's for taking my call. Um, yeah, I... I actually saw, I am a Carlton supporter, but I saw no problem in them chairing him off. Uh, the fact that, um, like a few people have said in the media, that uh, both Murphy and uh, Simpson were part of his wedding party, that's one thing. Um, but also, I think, you know, we're in modern times too, and I think, you know, there's nothing wrong with uh, the players, you know, 
being there for him. He did um, commit a lot of time to the Carlton Football Club, but I think too, as a Carlton supporter, uh, a bit disappointed with uh, the fact that they're uh, allowing um, run-on from clubs, but I think if they get that right, I think um, they can quickly turn it around, and I think, like Teague said, they're not far off. Like If you get players back like Charlie Curnow, Caleb Marchbank, Newman, who will take Simpson's place. And also there's a man called, a young man called Brody Kemp, who Carlton might not have to look outside of uh, their own four walls, a, a big strapping young lad who hasn't even played yet. Thank you to you, Bob, for your perspective and thoughts on Carlton. Tony in Glen Iris, you want to have a beer with... One of the greats. No, he just dropped out. He wanted to have a beer with Lee Matthews, but he's dropped off. But that is okay. Um, it is a couple of minutes through until 12 o'clock. There's live sport on everywhere at the moment. A lot of it is out of America, of course. Uh, the Miami Heat got it done against Boston, so they go up 2-0. And it is the Cleveland Browns having their way with the Bengals this morning in the NFL. They lead 21-13 to at halftime, so they're up by... A touch time, touchdown, I should say. Good to have sport back on and good to have your company this morning. So many texts that have come through. It's been all thanks to Apollo League, apolloleague.com.au. And don't forget that you can listen to This Is Your Sporting Life on Sunday from 10. Sam Edmund talks to Bulldogs Premiership hero Dale Morris. What a star he was. That's all thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals who are celebrating lives. Matthew Nix from Adelaide has just fronted the media. He confirmed that uh, Daniel Tarley will be back in for game number 200. Taylor Walker is looking to pass Tony Modra as the all-time goal-kicking record holder at the Adelaide Football Club. He's on 440. So equal with Modra, if he kicks one goal, he will break the record there. And also David McKay back in to that. From the Giants, Stephen Canelio is back. The skipper has been included in their side for tonight. And his teammate and good mate Toby Green spoke about what has unfolded for Stephen during the week. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.